everybody, this is Kelly Dixon from AMC's Breaking Bad, coming at you with our 402 podcast this season. I'm here with uh, executive producer Vince Gilligan. Hello. Director of this episode, Michelle McLaren. Hello. She's been mysterious. Writer of this episode, George Masters. Hello. And our star of this episode, or of all episodes, Brian Cranston. Hey, everyone. Hey, how you doing, Kelly? Talking about 402. What's the title of this episode, George? 38 Snub. Oh, yeah, huh? This is a gun title. Is that like a trouser size? What is that? <laughs> like Not guns. my trouser size, thank goodness. I was 38 for a while, but I've lost some weight. Let's talk about my pants size. <laughs> <laughs> Why a 38 snub? Well, it just so happened. That was the gun we chose. We just kind of liked something compact. It was concealable, and uh, I think that was it. Yeah, it was this practical, you know, something he could hide. And it turned out to be a 38 snub. So. so you guys brought in Jim Beaver to be uh, the uh, the gun salesman. Yes. Jim. Is that Justin Bieber's father? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Beaver, I believe. Oh, yes. damn fine Beaver. Uh, so, Jim Beaver, who yeah. was a wonderful actor. He used to work with Anna Gunn and many other fine actors and actresses on uh, Deadwood. Uh, Deadwood. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was an X File episode years ago. One I actually I co-wrote, but I never actually met him. So I've never actually met the man. But I think he's a wonderful actor. And he you think you hate him? Well, that's yeah. what he told me when I was working on. He said this is the second time I've worked on his show, and I still haven't met him. There's something going on there. Very very fine actor and a ton of dialogue. Oh, lots a of lot dialogue. of dialogue. Yeah, and and technical. And he was like he flew just, in one day and out again because he was on another show. Super he was on natural. Supernatural. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah, and he was just spot on. And he nailed it. Saved our butts. Yeah, was that a full day? Was that a full yeah, day? Yeah, that, that was a full day, wasn't it? No, what no, else no. we do that day? It, it was like a half yeah. day. Yeah. Oh, that, oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah I think we went up to lunch yeah. and then no, he was right. done. No, you're right. We did do that half day. Yeah. And I believe, and I'm hoping I'm not going to screw this up. But Jim also, just on the side, just I think guess for fun, is uh, he, he writes a lot of those uh, IMDb, uh, IMDb bios. summaries. Yeah, summaries and bios, I remember. I, I, just for fun. Because well, I think cause he's an expert with a lot of that uh, movie history and whatnot. He is, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. that dialogue you got in there, Georgie, is really good. I mean, I oh, really thank liked you. it a lot. Thanks. I like the aspect of, you know, you have this black market gun dealer who's uh, – who, in a in an ironic way, is sort of the the law, the 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 sound of morality here. And he's saying, look, if you really self defense, the law gives you a right yeah. to defend yourself. You don't need to be coming to me. Yeah, you know, the sound of pragmatism at least. <laughs> right, he's not, right. He's not and, uh, too eager to make right. a sale that he doesn't say. You know, why don't you just buy it illegal? And, yeah. and, you know, Walter White gets a little annoyed here. He's like, absolutely, it's for self defense, but I'll I'll take the illegal one anyway, knowing that. You know, whether he knows or not that what he's doing is not really self-defense. He's planning to, you know, yeah. do something more here, which yeah. is... Spoiler. <laughs> well, it's pretty much... It's not a spoiler. We know we know from this teaser what exactly Walter White is planning to do. And, you got some good angles. It's him or scene. me, you know. He I love how you played the episode. mirror in that scene. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Because that scene was a, it's a motel room, but it's a, it's a, it was a set built by our wonderful uh, production designer and, and, and our uh, production our construction construction coordinator w i actually really fought to have it as a set because the way i interpreted the, the writing was that when we first see walt we don't know where he is yeah. and we don't know who he's talking to so i wanted to shoot a close-up in the mirror and as we pull back we realize that he's talking to uh to jim beaver yeah. To the to the gun salesman, so it was more like a, yeah. a a reveal, and then we get to see where the environment is. And at yeah. first, you're not sure for a moment what he's what he's doing. Yeah. You know, checking himself out, and yeah. then 
you know, so it's, I, so it's more of a reveal. I suppose that could have been sh shot in a practical location, but it just made more sense then to, to build the, the it, little satellite well, set. To... Well, you know, we wanted that very um, rundown motel feel. And if you go to a practical location, they're so small. And we yeah. could have shot it Tiny. there. Yeah. Yeah, but that place was to have big. some type of uh, distance, not just for the camera, but also for the lighting. And it, for the crew, there's 10, 15 people standing around who have to be there. Exactly. And you, how do you fit them all into a motel room? Yeah. God knows I've tried, you know. It, 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 and, uh, and we've <laughs> shot many motel rooms on this show practically. Well, you know, Absolutely. the Crystal Palace is Crystal a real Crystal Palace that's is a, real is a great example, room. yeah. And, and actually, the Crystal Palace probably would have worked for this because they actually have relatively big rooms for, for motel yeah, rooms. Yeah, that's you know, true. Relatively speaking. But still, it's just it's easier. I and mean, we for the shot when we were shooting over the guns and over Jim back to Walt, we took yeah. the wall out behind us because, of course, the bed was right up against the wall. So it just makes it a lot makes it a lot easier, and you get to have uh, more flexibility on angles. That you yeah, that in a nutshell for folks who've never been on a set before is the difference between shooting in a real what we call a practical location, in which, as we all know, you can't move the walls easily. And then on a soundstage, it looks, when you're standing in it, it looks exactly the same. It looks like you're in a real place, but the ceiling can fly out and mm -hmm. call it fly. You, you can hoist it away. You can hoist away any of the walls, mm -hmm. and then you and can you don't have make to it easier to shoot. people next door watching their TV too loud. Oh, that's, that's you know, true, so you, too. You don't have to do that's a sound issue. You don't have to do yeah. a siren. Right. But it's one of the things that when the production designer is designing the set that we have to think about ahead of time because you can't necessarily always build it that every wall flies and every ceiling piece flies. So we will quite often sit, look, plan it out ahead of time and ask the production designer, can you make sure these two walls or these three walls and... Yeah. You want to plan it where your windows are so you can have backlighting or cross-lighting. And, yeah. and so a lot of design, uh, you know, and how you're going to shoot it goes into the whole design of the set. And, and Mark Freeborn, our production designer, as well as our directors and as well as us producers, we also try to, to, to get our wonderful cinematographer, Michael Slovis, involved in these conversations Absolutely, about yeah. these sets that we build mm -hmm. so that we can say to him, we're thinking of this. Does this seem good to you for lighting opportunities? Mm -hmm. Do you, will you have a good good places to put your lights, you mm -hmm. know, or will this be a potential problem and make mm -hmm. life harder and make the shoot slower? Because there's two things that go on. You want the lighting to look as good as it can look, uh, but you also want it to to go up as quickly as possible mm -hmm. so that you don't spend all day getting half a scene. You know, half of a great scene is not much good to you. You got to have the whole thing. So no, it's, it's absolutely right. When we're I'm a producer on the show as well, and so in every episode we involve Michael in the in the selecting of the locations and the building of the sets, so that we can be more efficient, or the most efficient that we can be in the situation and have it look great. And Michael has taught us all never to look north when we're shooting. Never look north. <laughs> Why? He beats it into my head he when I'm light. directing. It, oh, yeah, you know what you do. You, 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 it seems counterintuitive. That's when you're outside. It does. It, it, does. it seems like you'd want light directly on your subject. Yeah, but but that's the last he, thing. He, the last thing he wants yeah. is light to be behind the subject. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Behind or yeah. at least off to the well, side. Off to the side. Yeah. But yeah, backlighting is. And I remember John Toll on the pilot. Obviously, uh, these both great cinematographers, and and both John Toll uh, would have this. Uh, this was before the the days of the 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 uh, iPhone having the app. There's an app now that'll tell you exactly where the sun will be on exactly the date, <laughs> three weeks from now when you'll be there shooting. But he, we didn't have. That was a little bit before the iPhone came out, and he used an inclinometer. Uh, and would figure out we'd be out on the location where you guys would be cooking meth out in those great that Tahajali the, yeah. the Indian reservation and 
he'd be out there and he'd say, okay, when are we shooting this? And the AD would tell him and he'd look with his inclinometer and he'd do some, he'd look at some tables, of, you know, mathematical tables and he'd say, okay, the scene here, if Vince wants to shoot it looking this way, we want to be shooting this scene in the bet morning, between say, about yeah. 10 a.m. and noon and so that we'll have that nice backlight. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it, you know, prior planning prevents poor performance. It's yeah. all and, about and thinking in advance. It is, know. and we try to do that as much as we can, but, of course, you're also restricted to the schedule that you have and, yeah. and the time and, and what happens the night before yeah. and if you finish on time or if the show before you doesn't finish on time, then they'll throw off the next yeah. episode, and yeah. we, we, we juggle all this. It balls. was easier in the pilot because we had more time and more, you know, it's a lot harder. Oh, yeah, episode. whoever directed that had a plenty of time to get, <laughs> get his or, or her shots done. <laughs> <laughs> in the required amount of time. But I think we should reiterate that it's like we, uh, when we're shooting the regular episode, we have eight days to shoot it, and uh, the pages are usually about 48 to 50. Yeah, it's, uh, sometimes 50 as much as Something like, 56. like that. Yeah. Uh, pages to now. shoot. So even though um, we had in this teaser episode, uh, of this episode, we had a six page scene. Sure. Um, there were only two characters in one location. And so uh, I think that made it more manageable to be able to schedule it to say we could we need to get this done or we should be able to get this done in six hours. We we look at that. And we also, to be perfectly honest, we go okay. It's Brian Cranston and Jim Beaver, mm -hmm. and we can. Those guys are going to come and they're going to be prepared. Oh, they're going to they're going to ace it. <laughs> Actually, that, that, that does go into the planning. That does go into it the does. planning. It does. It does go into the planning. Sometimes you'll have a scene with a with a first time actor, and you'll say, "We better we better mm -hmm. add an hour to our estimate estimate for this one, or two hours, mm -hmm. or whatever." Mm -hmm. Sometimes our teasers are. I mean, this is a relatively simple teaser mm -hmm. because it was two guys in a room. I mean, sometimes we have like a much shorter as far as screen time teaser, and it's you know it will take all day to shoot because there's so many parts yeah, to it. And that's true. That's true. So it mm -hmm. doesn't really. You know, page length is really just one element. No, of it. sure. Some days, once in a while, we'll have a day that's got two pages, but you know, there's one line. You know, Albuquerque burns or something. Right. Or you know no I mean? lines, it's, and it's all it's, visual. Yeah. And, yeah. <clears throat> and we introduce a new character in this episode, Tyrus. Tyrus. Oh. Yeah. I, I don't Ray think Campbell. Ray Campbell, wonderful actor. I don't think uh, the, the viewers know his name yet, the character's name, Tyrus, but that's the... He's uh, the new victor. He's the new uh -huh. victor. That's actually what uh, that's what we call him in the writer's room, right? New victor. New victor. Until, until you came up with the name new Tyrus. Victor. <laughs> new victor. You know, I was going to mention, you guys write the episodes. You know, you go off to write the episode, and then when the episodes start shooting, you truck over to Albuquerque from Los Angeles. So right. why is it that they need you so badly in Albuquerque? <laughs> it's not about them so, needing him. It's about me needing the get peace and quiet. Yeah. Oh, I see. Well, okay. first, let's yeah. just yeah. that, that, that was the, 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 the formula that was set up uh, early on. Uh, since Vince can't be out in Albuquerque, uh, he has to run the edit uh, the writer's room and then oh, no, he's not go running over, editing. and then go oh, to no. editing. Oh no, he's not even. <laughs> oh, he's we didn't even see him for six months. Um, so <laughs> the Jesus. so well, at we least we get yeah. someone who was in the room for the genesis of the story when it was broken. That's my so, word. So, oh really? Genesis. Oh really? You're making fun of me. No, I'm not. <laughs> it's actually universally used. Uh, it's in the dictionary. So uh, so at least we get the writer there that we can confer with and find out when we get to a hiccup if there's an aspect of the of a scene that we don't quite understand or 
why is this happening here or how about that? Mm -hmm. And then the writers can guide that and say that might work, but that point is going to come in clarity in two more episodes. Uh. So we don't want to highlight that just yet. And so it gives us kind of some guideposts to go by. Yeah, we kind of know where it's going, and uh, so that's it's really important to uh, be able to not do something as inconsistent with where the show's going because we're thinking, you know, we're thinking ahead a few episodes, and we have that knowledge, whereas everyone else kind of is in that moment and in that episode. Um, so that's important. How does it work out? Because you got two adorable little girls, you and your wife. <laughs> is that tough? Uh, being out there for uh, it's it's well it's oh, it's, it's tough yeah. it's tough for everybody. I want to hear how yes, tough it is nice to be away for eight days. No. <laughs> it must be nice though to get to kind of break from the yeah, scrutiny yeah. and the the intensity of of being in the room and and having that responsibility of breaking a story and. When your episode is coming up, you get to get on a plane yeah. and see a different world, but yeah. yet see your words happen. I mean, yeah, no, it's really, it's it's great being out there, seeing your stuff get shot, and it's, you know. And, I used uh, to love doing it on the X-Files. Yeah. One of the early days on the X-Files, I'd fly up for every episode to Vancouver, so I, I wanted to do it like we did it on that show, because uh, right. my boss on that show allowed us writers to go up and be producers even before we actually officially had the title of producer and and so i wanted to do it the same yeah way. no it's invaluable and then you know it makes you a better writer when you're writing you know the scripts to know what needs to be done and so that we, that and being in the editing room is yeah. is really invaluable yeah. because right. you kind of see what needs to be shot and what is it, do you think that saying that a screenplay uh, or a movie is uh, there's three versions of it. It's it's written, it's shot, and it's edited. Does that hold true in in television? Do you still think can it change that much from from the writing of it to the execution of it, shooting and to the editing? Oh, it can change hugely. I think people divide. People have a division in their brains, and it's understandable. We all do to a certain extent. A d- division in our brains between movies and television, but there's. I keep thinking to myself, it'd be great if we could get past that because the truth is movies and TV are shot with the same exact equipment, the same exact crews, same writers and directors and actors, especially now more than ever. There's less of a ghettoization between uh, working in the movie business and working in the TV business. And I mean a balkanization, whatever the word is, but it, it used to be, especially back in the day, you were either a TV actor or you were a movie actor. You were yeah. either a TV writer or you were a movie writer. And now, more than ever, and I hope it continues yeah. along this trend. That's been erased, really. Yeah, and it, as it should be, because yeah. it's the same well, we tools for storytelling. Fighting Actors have been fighting that for years. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's a TV actor, and it's yeah. like, you know what? We're actors. We happen to be working on this at this particular yeah. time. Yeah, you goddamn know. right. And, and then it, they would even do that if you if you did a soap opera, yeah. which I did in the early days. Oh, he's a daytime yeah. actor. He's a soap actor. Yeah. He's a you know. It's like wow. I really gotta think because you did that right. Yeah, for a few years. I gotta think that must have been incredibly hard. Unbelievable, because it's not. It's the the quantity of it is yeah. just overwhelming. Yeah, and if you have. Uh, a desire to do your best work each time and not go, uh, let's see, okay, I get surprised, I'll give them that look, and I'll get that, and I'll have a shock there, and okay, got it. And you don't want to just yeah. give your look number 14. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's really tough. It's some of the hardest work I've ever done. I'm sure it is. Because as soon as you've memorized and delivered and completed a day, 
you go home and learn <laughs> tomorrow, yeah. and it's different. It's, yeah. it's new diet. It's like, wow. And how many pages a day? Well, um, anywhere from 40 to 50 pages. Of course, there's 14 actors, and it's split up. Holy so shit. you know they have uh, front burner storylines and back burner storylines and that sort of thing. So you ha- you sometimes have a very heavy day, yeah. and then maybe not so heavy the next day. Then you have a day off, then you have another heavy day. It's or something. Hour, now, do you day. think it's an hour show every day? Yeah, it's amazing. It's no, my hats off to all the folks in front of me. A lot of do that. Do you think Brian? That's one of the reasons because I mean, let's face like some actors remember their lines better than others and you're great at it is that do you think that's one of the reasons why you just have to memorize day day in and day out uh, um, for, from yeah there's a, and acting. there's a technique that you you work on and yet sometimes it still catches you sometimes you go through something and i think there was a scene that we were working on with skylar and when you were directing i think it was episode 12 or 13 and right. and i just felt like it, the best thing for actors is when they can yeah, ingest right. a scene and it right. actually feels like it drops down into your body. And that way, what comes out is what was written, but it feels like this is it. This is what I should be sure, saying. Yeah. Like you're making it up right then. And you're there. making it up right there. And it feels right. and feels natural. And that it, it takes it takes work to, to get to that point to where you can... You, you swallow it. It's right. like, no, it's still here. i got to work on it some more. No, okay, I can still feel it kind of sitting there. I need to, until mm. it really drops wow. down. That's the physicalization of it. Mm. And But some scenes, you think you have it, it feels like it, and then you upchuck it. And it's like, you know, and yeah, that was that yeah. scene. I was like, yeah, I, I feel it. I got this. And then all of a sudden you start doing it, and you're like, I don't know. It's not quite settled. It's not quite coming yeah. in. And uh, you feel like you're chasing it. Mm-hmm. You're chasing a scene constantly as right. opposed to having it, right. catching it. You know, no hey, Brian, I'm curious. I don't think I've ever asked you this before. Are you one of those I think actors? it's rather personal, don't you? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Are you one of the actors who likes to rehearse or an actor who doesn't like to rehearse? Well, I always like to rehearse, you know, because it's it's really the only chance you get to, to really include the other actors. And it's funny because uh, when you're doing theater, you have that luxury of time where you are allowed to, in fact... You should not know what you're going to do. You should not know. You should go into your first day of rehearsal not knowing any of the lines, any motivation. Yeah. Yeah, you should go there open like a funnel, you know, uh, ready to take it in. Okay. And you're talking about it, and then you start to put together the ideas because you have six weeks to have it shake into the funnel and come out. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. And working in television, especially not so much in f- big features, where you still have you have time, mm-hmm. but in television, it's really like uh, the funnel is is one size, you know, and yeah. you got to learn quickly and get it together quickly. And the only chance that you have to rehearse is basically the day of, unless there are uh, opportunities to be able to get together with your fellow cast members, and we've done that a few times yeah. mm-hmm. in the season. When there's a particular concern or it's just a big scene and mm-hmm. a lot of turns are happening, it's, it's better to have an idea. But most of the time, we come on and, and we've developed a system here on the, on the show where when the director starts a scene, we have what we call a private rehearsal where we have just the writer, the director, the actors, and our script supervisor. 
and that's all it really needs to be there, unless we need a prop, a specific prop. And our, and our GP, but yeah. and and Michael Slovis right. will be there too because he's just getting a, an idea. But uh, we let everybody take five minutes and take a break, and that's really an invaluable exercise. Mm -hmm. It really helps a lot mm -hmm. because it also allows the actor not to to you know if someone's there ready to mark you. Mm -hmm. If a camera assistant's ready to put a mark down, like that's where you're going to stand. All of a sudden, you feel like oh, I've got to stand there. Yeah. Although I feel like I should yeah, go. Yeah. You don't. You don't yeah. want to have that. Yeah. You know, influence what mm -hmm. is really right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's almost like opposing forces in the day. You you're looking for time to kind of have, you know, all of this stuff funnel through. But yet, everybody else trying to make the day, trying to get the mark down. Well, you're trying, trying to, to make the day, the too. Everyone, yeah, everyone's yeah. trying to make the day, but yeah. everyone is also trying to put the art into the day as much right. as they can. So, how, so do it's balance, always like that. how do you balance the, well, the art actor, and the act, It's not really the actor's job to focus on making the day. Oh, that's right. But we're aware of it. Yeah, we, yeah. we know. Yeah. I mean, it's really the producer's job. And, yeah, and the director is, is constantly aware of it because the ADs will make the director aware of how we're doing, how we're progressing. Yeah. But and truly, even though the ma great majority of the crew is on an hourly wage, it still means a lot when you can create a tempo and you're actually moving, you're actually accomplishing something. The crew works better, more yeah. fluidly, and you get more accomplished. If you start bogging down, you yeah. can feel the energy of a whole crew just drop yeah. a little mm -hmm. bit. That's true. And everybody will naturally work slower. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it's not it's not to anyone's benefit. And Brian, you're very good from your experience and also the fact that you are a director as well, of realizing when we are rehearsing, when we've pretty much got it, when it's you're comfortable with bringing in the camera assistants to mark. Because yeah. some, sometimes, I mean, I've worked on a number of different shows and and sometimes actors, and understandably, they could spend hours rehearsing, you know, and we'd yeah. all love to spend hours rehearsing, but in a television schedule, we don't have it. Yeah. And Brian's very good at letting us know when, when he's found it, when he's ready, enough mm -hmm. to bring in the camera assistance, because you're still going to get some takes to do it. But once you feel comfortable with how it's laid out and we feel rehearsed enough, you're great if, if things are getting a little bit, you know, going a little long of saying, hey, I feel good about this. Let's let's move on. Which a lot of the time, you know, it's the director's responsibility. But you you're very helpful with that because of your own experience. Uh, you start learn a, a truncated version of your preparation, mm -hmm. and you know it's almost like you're writing shorthand to yourself. And uh, the biggest concern, and one of the hardest jobs to do, is from an actor standpoint, is the one-liners. These people come in who don't know anybody mm -hmm. and have to deliver one line. And most of the people think, that's oh, just one line, it's easy. Mm -hmm. The amount of pressure <laughs> on that one line, because I've done them in the past, is tremendous. Yeah. You don't want to be the one to screw you up. you don't want to be else. the one to screw up. Mm -hmm. So it's a particular concern to pay attention to those people, welcome mm -hmm. them, and uh, and and make sure they are as comfortable as possible. And yeah. it, that is so true. And I mean, let's face it: you're now a three-time Emmy winner. Whoa. So we get some of these not very experienced act actors coming in, and they are petrified, and they're so excited to be in a scene with Brian Cranston or Aaron mm -hmm. Paul or mm -hmm. Anna Gunn or yeah. Betsy Brandt or Dean Norris or any one of our you know, R.J. Mitty, any one of our fabulous actors. You're just doing. You're okay. doing like Vince. Does. I know. I'm being. I'm being a diplomat. <laughs> <laughs> but let's. 
let's face it, they come in. There are. And Brian, you were so great. It made them feel comfortable because it's got to be terrifying. You know, you come in, you've got two lines with Brian Cranston. You know, it's an unnatural thing. And everybody finds a way to relax. I do know that the actors will do their best work if they're relaxed. It is the number one thing that every actor needs to do is to find a way to relax. More than anything else, the most important element is find a way to relax. Because when you're relaxed, then you can concentrate. Mm-hmm. And when you're concentrating, then you're focused on that. Then, you know, inspirational ideas can come. But if you're not relaxed, the whole foundation is mm-hmm. flimsy mm-hmm. and off. I and agree with you. But what, what does that say about big famous directors who were, were infamous, famous or infamous for making a tense set and making their actors, keeping their actors off balance. I think doing... it shows it shows how good those actors were that okay. despite that yeah. kind of Svengali attitude okay. they're able to do their work. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. No, I mean it really, it really is. It's the most important thing. So uh, it, 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 is, it is vital that we, you know, welcome our our core of actors who come and visit us whether they're cast in, in locally in new mexico or texas or sure. denver or wherever they're from or los angeles um it's really important and yeah. we got kind of off track sorry about that no it's, no, it's good stuff yeah this is it's good stuff um i guess the next thing we should start talking about is the fact that you guys have decided that jesse's going to have this long party Jesse has it's a hell of a party in this yeah. episode. It sure does. Go days yeah. and days. And How many days is it? It's like I whoa. would say just within the confines of episode four. Yeah, that's what I mean. There's, there's, this is quite a blowout party. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, and then they all leave. He doesn't want anybody himself. to leave. He just his, he's in this you know he's in this wow. mode where he needs to. Well, I guess you know he's sort of I guess he's suffering from post traumatic stress from what happened last when shot Gale. Yeah. He shot so. Gale. And, watched, <laughs> and then he had to put. He had to put Victor in the, in the in the bucket. And all of that. The barrel. And when, yeah. Yeah. I was like, when I was watching that, and like, there's like a part that starts floating up. It's I was like separate. It was. Na- oh, it was we like, didn't talk like, about oh, that in the podcast for four hundred one, but yeah, that those barrels are are polyethylene yeah. or whatever plastic they're made of, and they are translucent. And uh, <laughs> Michael Slovis backlit in that one shot when the barrel comes up on the forklift. <laughs> Michael Slovis backlit that barrel very artfully, and our art department put together there's some I don't know what they put in that barrel but it, it looks like a giant lava lamp and well, it is nauseating yeah, yeah. and how they did it there was now. a monofilament that they used and they were able to tie it in there and they're underneath so when uh, Jesse and I are are finishing the barrel and we're standing in frame with the barrel and backlit they're underneath oh. they're laying underneath the barrel and they're pulling yeah. and moving the monofilament Nicely so done. it just kind of raises it up and, and even twists it <laughs> and they're twisting it like you see some vertebrae or something yeah, yeah great. was that the was that the art department or was that the special effects department or some mix it, it was i think a combination yeah. of them yeah great job great stuff but There's anyway a, so but i i'm sorry george go ahead oh no i was just in this opening party scene where the guys are all sitting around snorting meth i just there's a couple shots in here that seem they're just great Michelle McLaren yeah, shots. That mean, came up. Yeah, I was going to get to that. One of them I love is this idea, which was completely hers, which is this match cut where 
Badger goes down to snort the oh, meth yeah, and yeah, comes yeah. up. That's a great cut. And it's it's uh, Skinny Pete coming back up, and then they're in full on wired mode talking that about all the video great, game and that stuff. Was a great idea. And there's yeah. another one at the end of the scene where Badger leans back on this beanbag, and the Roomba the Roomba was scripted, but the shot wasn't. Where the Roomba just goes right by Badger's face, and he's like, "Did that just happen?" <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Though to me, that's good writing. Good writing inspires. Good yeah. Where did the Roomba? Where did you guys? Yeah. Did, did somebody get a Roomba recently or something? And they just seem funny. I think we uh, just talked about it in the writers' room. They just, I don't yeah. know that any of us writers actually own one. And they, it seems like a nice invention. Nice idea. It seems like something Jesse would buy too. It just seems, it seems like, like like you don't yeah. need it. It's kind of a name. Yeah. <laughs> it's just this machine that's running, and it's sort of I don't know. It's sort of one. his whole thing that's going on in his head he's just trying to fill his world with noise and with things and <laughs> this rumba it kind of just runs automatically and it's yeah. running when he's not there and it's, and it's in just, a way also it's kind of kind of active so yes. it's kind of like a roommate he's yeah. someone, exactly. something else moving in the room he's yeah just this automated moving when he's not yeah. there. He, just, he doesn't want any silence. I think he's looking for distractions. I find, distractions. Yeah. I, I find hotel rooms awfully lonely. <laughs> I really do. So I work on location and I'll go to a hotel room. The first thing I do is pop on the TV. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just have it as I'm unpacking. Right. Just to, I don't know. I just need and the to... other part of it is he buys, like, the, the one of the only things he's bought in his apartment is this humongous kick-ass stereo system. Mm-hmm. It's all about the noise. The party, the Roomba, the stereo mm-hmm. system, it's all part and parcel of the same thing. That was fun picking that thing out because the set dressing, uh, Michael Flowers and his set dressers showed us, and uh, our Michael Free, uh, Mark Freeborn showed us a bunch of... Uh, yeah, we wanted the biggest. It, that thing is so ridiculously huge. I think each of those uh, speaker columns is like seven feet tall or more. Mm. They're they're huge. huge. They're huge. But there's there's actually a, a kind of an interesting story about those speakers because the last shot in the episode when Jesse goes and puts his head against the speakers yeah. and you hear you or so you see the cone of the speaker yeah. uh, pulsing in and out yeah. and um, obviously we can't put. Aaron Paul's ear right against the speaker and, and blast it will blow his eardrums out. So we needed the the cone of the the ear the, um, the, the, base, the speaker the driver yeah. Uh-huh. yeah to 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 pulse. And we were trying everything with the special effects guys to shaking it to put him on a filament and pulling it, and nothing worked. Nothing looked realistic. And this we shot this in February, and we got the coldest weather in the history of New Mexico in, in yeah. decades. Well, we had to, we had to shut and was we, it was on your episode? Days, we had yeah. to shut down. So we had to shut down. Oh, yeah, and right. it was, they, they declared it a, a state of emergency and we shut down. And that day that we shut down, George and myself and uh, Werner from Special Effects went to the stereo store and we were talking to this young kid. And we Wait said, a minute. You were shut down but the stereo store was open? The stereo store was yeah. open. Wow. They're kind of like the post office. <laughs> they are. You know, nothing's going <laughs> to... <Yeah. laughs> Got to have that music. Well, actually, they were about to leave. We convinced them to, to stay a bit longer. And we told this young kid what, what our problem was. And he said, oh, I know what to do. And it was some type of Base tester. So it's this, this some type of system that they run through their speakers to make sure that they're working properly. So there was no noise, but it's the same thing as having pulsing. music, and so um, it was pulsing. So he did a test for us, and then I said to him, I said, look, uh, we work on the show Breaking Bad. Would you come to the set tomorrow? We'd like to hire you, and we hook this up. And he said, well, I have to work. So I went to his boss, and I said, you know, <laughs> wow. you know we work on Breaking Bad, and we'd like to have him do this. And he goes, okay, okay you can have him for three hours. Wow. So he came to the set in the morning for three hours, and he hooked this thing up yeah. and it looked fantastic and he created the whole 
oh, CD right. for us to that's the correct. actual. So the so speaker the, is moving to that actual to music. Beat. That's correct. Yeah. Because it's programmed right. such that the vibrations so are to the music, even though there's no sound coming through. Right. That's yeah. correct. And the lights. Yeah. And the lights. Yeah. Everything because everything. everything had to be timed yeah, yeah. so that the to to the music. So we had to pre-select all our music. So all the light show and everything on this right. stereo were matching the music yeah. and the. Speakers. Everything matches. The only thing that's mm -hmm. not happening is we're not hearing it. So Aaron's. Eardrums, eardrums don't get blown, blown out. out, or when the guys are talking in that. the earlier scene. Yeah. yeah. Is there truly no sound coming out of it, or is it a, a, a frequency that folks can't hear? So that Aaron probably has like you know we'll never have kids now. <laughs> <laughs> is, no. it, is it like that? No, no. There's there's no, no sound. sound. Mm -mm. Really, I mean, there was if you a were very, a dog, you would have heard it. Yeah, maybe a dog. <laughs> there was a very low low rumble, but yeah. you. That might have Barely. just been the driver. That was I think it was. Yeah. yeah, that was. It was. Yeah. Or something. <laughs> I don't know. That's fun. Yeah, no, it was cool great. Story. Thank God. Yeah. I'm sorry, I don't remember his name. And then, but the shame of it, it's a little dark. It's a little hard to see. But it, that thing I, yeah. is just wailing away in there. Well, if we painted it lighter color, no. I, I, no, you know what? No, you know, because uh, you know, it's true. Uh, Michelle called me up and said, you know, want these drivers to be, uh, whatever you call this thing, speaker cone, driver, I don't know, all the technical terms. The but woofers, you want this thing to be woofers. Right, right. You want the woofer to be the, the actual moving part of it. You want it to be white. And I was thinking... Why would you? Why would it ever be white? But now I wish well, I wish I'd taken her up on that. Yeah, yeah. I wish yeah. I'd taken you up on that. Yeah. You'd be able to see it better. Yeah. yeah no, well. but you, for you, for you had a little glimpse of it, and it looks. Thus, the image slipped from our hands. But I gotta yeah. tell you that the the wonderful thing about that is really Jesse's face. Yeah. On that last yeah, he's okay. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk more about the uh, really the, the space. And, Andy Vogley, <laughs> our city cam operator, did a great job in that shot. Now he is fantastic. Yeah, Andy did yeah. a fantastic. Andy always does a fantastic job mm -hmm. with a steady camera or any kind of camera. But and but you're and yes, and on top of that, Aaron is just you can't take your eyes off of him. No, man. absolutely. That's not. It's so sad. It's such a. It sad is. It's heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. It's moment. it's heartbreaking. Yeah. And actually, Aaron and I just we talked about that moment. We talked about him trying to distract himself and try to escape from from the pain that he's feeling from killing Gail and that he doesn't want to be reminded about it and and as a result he, you know Aaron's such an amazing actor you I think it's you're heartbroken yeah, yeah it's true he's yeah. alone it's and he even tries to get those guys to stay yeah. yeah and it was great having Badger and Skinny Pete back I love those guys yes. I love those guys yeah. they are so great damn flavors fun. yes yeah. they're great flavors I love I those two like guys a cat and yeah, I think, think, I, I, think yeah. I had like a cat. I think he, I'm pretty sure he needs to eat or something. <laughs> or something and Charles that. Baker, Charles Baker, who plays Skinny Pete, uh, is. Uh, oh man, I know what you're gonna say. I know. I got to tell the story. He is. <laughs> I was on. I was on the set, and he, he comes up to me. He says, "Buddy, thanks so much for this gig, because I think it helped me score my newest gig." And I said, "What's that?" And he says, "I am in a Terrence Malick movie, <laughs> and I have a sex scene with a former Bond girl." <laughs> I'm like. Really? <laughs> I was like, God bless you, brother. That is awesome. Yeah. I don't, and, and people keep, I tell this to people, and they say, which former Bond girl? I'm like, who the fuck cares? <laughs> um, Maybe Ursula ask, Andrews at this point. I, I don't know. Let but, me ask you this, Brian. I don't know. Um, as far as, like, the gun, have you, was this, is, have you had any, uh, any practice with uh, this pistol before, or? No. All of that drawing no, uh, that you, you had know, to practice. No, and... because Walt didn't know it. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want to know what Walt doesn't know. No, but I was just wondering if you actually did. We we did talk about though you not looking too proficient with it. Well, like that's wait, not hard. Is that? Because <laughs> no, I, I didn't want because he wasn't. So I right. there's no reason for me to to be, yeah. do that. Um, yeah. And then as he's he's getting a little better as he's. 
on, on the speed of his draw mm -hmm. and how he would actually hold it and that sort of thing. We talked about that. And, um, yeah, I think it was, it was very interesting story-wise, too, because uh, <laughs> I think it was the beginning, whereas episode one really covered um, the plight that he knew. He knew that, uh, you know, Gus was going to come after him. And he, he needs to protect himself. But I think it's at that point, I think episode two, if I'm not mistaken, was like a turning point in Walt's head that, you know, I better be, take more... Be proactive. Be, be proactive <laughs> as opposed to waiting and wondering if someone's coming yeah. up behind me. Get him before he gets get me. get him before he gets me. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Speaking of that, there's a great shot. I love that shot you got. What is it? How'd you get the camera up so high? And that shot, this is the last shot of act three, I think. We right before the commercial break. You climbed the tree, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> climbed the tree with the camera. Oh, That's yeah, dedication. Which shot camera? This was a, that straight down shot in front of... Of oh, you. Yes, of you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, we did it off a giant, giant crane. Uh, and not a camera crane. This yeah. is actual an actual crane. because okay. Construction. Uh, the, yeah, well, <laughs> practically. Uh, it's actually a crane that has an arm that will move out over... Because you... Over top of so him. So it wasn't a scissor lift because you'd see no, the base you'd see, of the scissor Yeah, lift. you'd see the base yeah. of the lift and you've got shadow... Concerns, yeah, yeah, yeah. although we could put it in the place that so you don't have to worry about because of the light. But um, you have to get out and over yeah, yeah. top of Walt so we don't see because we're so wide yeah. and we're so high. We don't want to see the base of the of the lift. And so in uh, Albuquerque, we're very limited on the camera cranes we have. I think the highest we normally have is about 30 feet. Yeah. Uh, lately, there's been a super techno there. So we might alert. use a little later. <clears throat> I might have got to use a little later. That, yeah. I didn't get no <laughs> shitty techno crane. I got a super techno <laughs> crane. <laughs> Once you go super, you can't go you back. You can't go back. So yeah. we got a, boy, I want to say it was like a 180-foot condor or something. like, Or maybe it was 150-foot or 130-foot. But it was really, really high with mm. a, with an outwarder arm for it. And how, it long, yeah, how long were you out that night, though? Because that whole scene takes place at night and with all that work to do. We had a cold. whole day of shooting at another location. And we were at that location for four hours max. Yeah, wow. Really? Yeah. That oh, long? yeah, that yeah. was... That and it was, was really fast. cold. It was freezing. really yeah. cold. Really, really cold. Yeah. Everybody is. That's why you really have to be planned. You have to. Have, you got to have a plan, and, and we had a good plan that night. So, yeah. so but I had yeah. a good plan. I directed episode twelve and thirteen of this year, and I won't say what happens in it. But I had. A, I thought I had a good plan, and I just screwed up at every turn. No, just you didn't, Vince. I was no, there. I, I was there every step of the way, and you did awesome. I think we got some good footage, but schedule-wise, yeah. it just you know you show up on the set. You're waiting for the first camera shot to be set up, and, and AD comes. He says, oh, "We're four behind. hours behind." That's the nature of television. You're running for your life. Constantly wise. running yeah. behind, and especially a show like this that uh, it's never easy. I don't think, I don't think there is such a thing as an easy episode. Well yeah. We are yeah. constantly yeah. up against the wall with yeah. this thing. Yeah. But if you ask, I, I think if you ask any director on any television show, they'll say, "What is your number one challenge?" And every single one of oh. us will say, "Time." Absolutely. You guys are directors. You know, it's it's time. I think the, 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 the <laughs> thing that you have to do is that you cannot look at a, at a TV script of any show, certainly not ours, and give each and every scene the same amount of weight. Yeah, you no. truly have to prioritize yeah. and mm -hmm. say, this scene is vitally important to yeah. Yeah. 
this is where I want to spend the time. Yeah. And you convey that to your AD, and then they That's work true. out the schedule. Rob Bowman, who you and I used to work with on the X-Files, yeah, he, he called it, he would say, yeah, you worked, yeah. that's right, the director yeah. 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 That yeah. That was Rob's a good yeah. guy. He's a hell of a director. Yeah. And he would say, okay, you get your $25 scenes and your $10 scenes and your $5 scenes. Yeah, yeah. it's true. Yeah. Well, that, that night, for example, in front of Gus's, <laughs> do or die, I, want, we got, I wanted to get that crane shot. Yeah. So we, we didn't leave it till the end of the night you know when we're running and we have to compromise on on things there were certain things and we do things in a certain order for in order to prioritize them was there an operator up there andy was up there and uh i think at that time he was with probably jacks and steve was i think was up there with him and half the time in albuquerque it's like uh windy as hell in albuquerque sometimes well they they have restrictions too they have a what is the wind barometer or yeah, yeah. and to tell and, and at a certain uh gust at certain miles per hour of mm-hmm. the wind they uh won't allow you to to shoot it, it, it's true we we yeah. ju- we i won't say what was going on but we did use a lift in a later episode and the wind came up and we had to take bring the camera guys down. down i would not yeah. want to be up you there would not want to no there's there's certain people who will not go up in those in those cranes like me Andy loves it. Andy will be the first it. guy up there. Flat out. Yeah. They they shake. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They, yeah. they sway. It's yeah, like you're, really you're up there and it's like this and how they can then try to offset that sway oh, yeah. and keep your frame somewhat steady. Yeah. Thank, thankfully we have a handhold look to the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, thank, thank goodness we do. Hey, oh. let's talk about uh, you want to talk about uh, uh, Marie and Hank in this Yeah, show? I was going to talk about Marie and Hank yeah. real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Because, um, I'm going to get some more coffee then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, because you have him being so mean to Marie and I kind of understand it but I feel so bad for her. No, I know, I know. Freaky. He's yeah. so mean to her. And we didn't want to do it that way but the actor, Dean Norris, just hates <laughs> just, the you know, woman who plays just, his wife. Hates Betsy Brown. <laughs> just he makes up his own dialogue. Cannot stand that woman. Just you know, we keep you know, it was a loving, uh, beautiful scene we had, and he just he just would mm. go off book, and we finally just had to roll with it. <laughs> just, I hate this woman. No, I think I think that's what makes it so so rich is that you you wonder why, but again, it's justified. Here is this this virile, active, mm-hmm. proud man who's relegated to a bed. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he. It, Drives him crazy. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. And he lashes out. He lashes out yeah. unfairly. Yeah. But, but that's it, what happens. It, yeah. it is, and exactly. And so it's it's somewhat justifiable, and and she takes it to show her love and support and the trouble he's going through. But one thing that we did make sure that we do, which I think also makes it heartbreaking, is you have that moment where you can tell how hurt Marie is. Yeah. But then when she looks away, you also have the beat when you see. You know, from Dean yeah. Norris, who's such a great actor, you see Hank yeah. show a little bit of remorse. Yeah, he, he feels, feels a little bad, yeah. and and you're and that and it just makes your heart break even more. Does he do that in this one? I'm the one, yeah. the, yeah, the moment does. I can't forget in this one is the one where she and, and when she once oh, goes to yeah, high five him and he's uh, going to leave yeah. her hanging. Yeah, but he's not yeah. only because his uh, his his cool uh, physical, physical therapist is there. Yeah. But as soon as the guy's gone, he's like Marie. Get out. Oh, and that, it's just that look on her face yeah. is so... And, and, of course, Dean's wonderful, too. They're both wonderful. That look on, on Betsy's face when it's... She just... She just crushed, and then she kind of sucks it up yep. and kind of smiles and or Betsy something. Betsy did a great job, yeah. yeah. She, you know, she wanted to, you know, show in that moment that she was hurt, but she's she wants to support her husband. She wants to show her understanding. She knows he's going through a hard time, yeah, yeah. so she sucks it up for his sake. Yeah. But the moment where he does show remorse is in in the middle of the night when she wakes up, and 
other yeah, episode, right? right? <laughs> no, no, that's and, right. Um, yeah. and yeah, and he said, tells you there's three other rooms you can go sleep in. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, right, right. And she puts the, the, the blindfold back and on and goes back bad. down, yeah, and then yeah, he yeah. feels bad. I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the great thing about our show is you know here's this really dark, dramatic, sad, you know, sad scene, but we always we often will put a little humor yeah. into it. So. Well, I guess because yeah. um, we need to sort of wrap this up, but I want—I don't want to not talk about the—I guess was it the second to last scene in that second to last scene mm-hmm. where, where you take the punch, where yeah. you like, talk yeah. and you try to enlist Mike to help you out, and Mike's like, "You're done." Yeah, Walt's looking for an ally. Jonathan Banks. Uh, Jonathan Banks, great guy to work with. Great, another great piece of the pie. Mm-hmm. Bringing that kind of energy to the show, very justifiable. We got, we were able to show some of his backstory. Where I love the uh, the parts where he's with his his granddaughter, granddaughter. and yeah, 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 past yeah. episodes. She's so cute. And then just turns and comes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. fantastic. Um, but yeah, that's it's always difficult because uh, we, we have a, a you know Al Goto, our, our um, stunt coordinator. Um, uh, it has a has a very big responsibility to be able to make something look right and get close, but yet not get, have anyone get hurt. And um, and you know, <coughs> the director uh, Michelle in this case discusses that carefully with first with Al and with Michael Slovis to figure out what angles are going to work best for you whenever you do a fight, and then with the, the actors involved, and you figure out what. What's going to work? How are you going to do that? What kind of padding you're going to need? And well, and and one of the things that that we do on Breaking Bad is we rarely uh, use. Well, I shouldn't say rarely, but we try to not use stuntmen uh, when we're doing physical action like that. That our actors, because we're we're very fortunate that Brian's really good at physical action and Dean Norris is very good at physical action. So we do not use stunt doubles in this at all. So we're when we're planning on to shoot, shoot a moment like that, we're thinking how can we best do this with our, our real actors. And then we got to go to these guys and say, okay, here's, here's what we're planning. What do you mm-hmm. think? Do you feel comfortable in, in doing this? And after take 22, Brian finally said no, but no, okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> no but Brian is really, really great at, at taking, taking a punch. He knows how to do it or giving it or whatever the, the scene requires. And it allows us. I've been us. married for 22 years, so that's, <laughs> that's helped considerably. Um, but it, that allows us to shoot it more freedom in how we how we can shoot it, and it makes I think for a better scene if you can yeah. use the actual actors. That's true. Didn't you have like a, a chest protector there because we wanted to really sell the kick too? And he really kicked. Was he really kicking you? Yeah, and he kicked me. Well, I think in that, in that case, I think we put a big. Uh, if he had a, a thing there, like, a, a sandbag, yeah. a big sandbag, yeah. thirty pound sandbag, oh, okay. so that he could kick right up it, yeah. next yeah. to my torso, so he right. could actually give it a shot. Yeah, and, and then we put the camera moved. low enough so that <laughs> yeah. just yeah. That's cool. You take the hit, you know, yeah. that way. Mm-hmm. That bar looked great on film, too. I love that wide shot. Well, Michael mm-hmm. was such an yeah, awesome DP. Yeah, yeah. It, looked, it looked really gorgeous. And, and the starkness whenever, you yeah. know, that door opens, it's like, whoa. Yeah. It's like, ah. Which yeah. makes me think of an old Western. You know, yeah. the, 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 the gunslinger yeah. coming in through the saloon door. <laughs> yeah. That's a perfect it. example, though, of what, visually how you're inspired by the writing, because it was written that Mike is at this bar, and the door opens, and you don't see right away that it's Walt. And so I, as a director, read that, and I go, okay, we'll backlight him so that when the door opens, he's in silhouette. Yeah. And you're thinking, okay, there's a figure, but he's not revealed until he says, uh, can I buy you another one? Or, yeah. or whatever that line is. Yeah. 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 yeah, I don't know if it ended up being cut that way. but uh, I should give a shout-out, too. Uh, there's a, a folks who own a dog track. Uh, 
uh, I don't know where, but they gave us the footage uh, oh, yeah. for, that's on the TV. Mm, Greyhound. The, yeah. the, the Greyhound racing or oh, Whippets yeah. or whatever what yeah. the heck, some kind of dog mm. racing. But the folks were real nice who let us use their footage. Uh, and uh, and then a uh, little little bit of Saul Goodman in there too. A little Saul Goodman action <laughs> oh, yeah. on TV, uh, doing a TV commercial. Yeah, he's like the only one that's still like thinking about that crash. He's like he's still, wearing the, ribbon, he's still wearing, he's wearing the ribbon. He's still wearing the ribbon. Still got the ribbon and everything. That's a fun. I, I love that guy. <laughs> Bob and Kurt, it's great. We should uh, wrap this up. Right on. Thank you, everybody, for, for coming. Watching. Thank right. you very much. Thank you for watching. And uh, um, I guess this was 402. What's the name of the, what's the title of this one? 38 Snub. 38 Snub. 38 Snub. 38 Snub, uh, directed by Michelle McLaren, written by George Masters. Thanks. Hey, everybody, go break bed. Later. Thanks, Kelly. Bye. <laughs>